1984, pastors Jean and Sue started Faith Christian Center in a hotel ballroom. But for the past 36 years, they have taught people how to practically apply the Bible to their everyday lives. Over the years, God has blessed us and the church has grown. Faith Christian Center is now located on a beautiful 73-acre campus in the heart of the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex. We believe the best is yet to come. Today's message will encourage you, inspire you, and teach you how to experience God's best in every area of your life. This is my Bible. It is the Word of God, and it is the will of God for my life. I am who the Word says I am. I'm the righteousness of God in Christ. I'm where the Word says I am. I'm seated right now in the heavenly realms, in Christ Jesus, in the place of authority, dominion, and power. I have what the Word says I have. All the blessings of Abraham are mine, and I can do what the Word says I can do. I can do all things through Christ who gives me the strength. Today my mind is alert. My spirit is receptive. As I'm taught the Word of God, my life is changed for the better. And I will never be the same again. Amen. You may be seated. Hallelujah. Well, we finished this series on the truth about money back on Sunday, January 24. But it was either the first or second day of my February study retreat, the time I have set aside to study for the Holy Week revival and the week of increase. The Lord spoke to me very clearly about vows. And he told me very specifically that I had avoided this very powerful truth from the Word of God because of the extremism of some unscrupulous full gospel ministers. He told me that just because the truth was abused by some unscrupulous ministers does not make that truth not true. Now in the series, The Truth About Money, our two launching texts were Matthew 6.21, For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And verse 33, Seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Now, the mo we, we covered vows in general last Sunday, but the most famous vow in the Word of God is Jacob's vow in Genesis 28. And that vow was unusual because, as far as I know, off the top of my head, without going back and looking it up again, I don't know that there's another example in the Word of, a God, Word of God with regard to a vow being made regard to tithing. Typically, vows are made with regard to free will offerings. But Jacob vowed to give God a tenth of everything that crossed his hands, and he got that from his grandfather Abraham, and he got that, no doubt, from his father Isaac. Genesis 28, 20. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and will watch over me on this journey I am taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house, then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house, and of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. Now, we'll get into this a little more next Sunday and maybe the Sunday after, but he had had a dream, and he named that place Bethel, the house of God. And he woke up and he made this vow. So Jacob obeyed the tithing principle at least 270 years before the law was given to the people of Israel through the prophet Moses because you'll have relatives and other ignorant folks, and they'll say, well, I'm not under the law. 
Well, guess what? Tithing didn't begin with a law any more than gravity began with a law. Tithing did not begin with a law any more than sowing and reaping began with a law. It was codified in the law, but it didn't begin with the law. So Jacob vowed a vow. There was no preacher out there preaching to him. He got it from his grandfather, Abraham, and he got it from his father, Isaac. And that's when Jacob got right with God. Say it out loud. That's when Jacob got right with God. Right there, that's when Jacob got right with God. Because Jacob was a deceiver. Jacob was mean. Jacob was a trickster. And Jacob was on the run. He was a hated man. And his brother Esau wanted to kill him. Now, before this event in Genesis 28, there is no other record of Jacob making any effort whatsoever to connect to the God of his father Isaac and the God of his grandfather Abraham. But in Genesis 28, 15, God said to Jacob, I am with you and will watch over you wherever you go, and I will bring you back to this land. <clears throat> I will not leave you until I have done what I promised you. And that's the way it works with God. You can be on the run. You can, you can be hiding. You can be doing your own thing, and he'll interrupt your life because he loves you, and he wants to call you into the fold. He wants to call you into his family. Then Jacob made a vow saying, If God will be with me and watch over me on this journey I'm taking, and will give me food to eat and clothes to wear so that I return safely to my father's house. Then the Lord will be my God, and this stone that I have set up as a pillar will be God's house. And of all that you give me, I will give you a tenth. And as you know, hopefully you know, Jacob became a rich man because he made that vow to God. Now, if I continue on with my plan that I have this morning, in two weeks I'm going to point out that it wasn't just a matter of faith, it wasn't just a matter of confession, it wasn't just a matter of vow on the vow. He worked seven years for Rachel and he worked seven years for Leah. We got a lot of God's people and they're trying to confess their way into a million dollars and forget about working 14 years. They haven't even worked 14 hours. So at the end of the day, you got to be a doer of the word of God. You got to find what the word says about your situation and then you got to take action on it because faith is not just a matter of believing and faith is not just a matter of confession faith is a matter of taking action on what God has said and so see if, if, if God how can God bless your labor if you ain't got no labor amen, amen. So Jacob became a rich man because he made that vow to God. Jacob out there in the middle of nowhere partnered together with God. His grandfather wasn't out there to talk him into it. His father wasn't out there to talk him into it. Let me tell you something else too about, about genetics. I think the greater, greatest revelation I've had in the last year, I don't remember how it came to me, but Maybe it was Sue, I don't know. But that Austin and Jessica talk about how that Samuel, when they see Samuel, they picture me as a little boy. There's a cute video 
Austin, you know, in his house, he has the ability to look at stuff on various cameras. And there's a, a cute little video in the middle of the night, Samuel's in the kitchen looking for cookies. <laughs> and there were no cookies, but he's dancing. He's, he's dancing, you know, he's, he just has the joy of the Lord in him. And that's without finding cookies. <laughs> well, and the reason I say this was the greatest revelation I think I've had in the last year because of what my mom and dad did to me, I've always had a skewed perspective of myself. But it was along about 1975, uh, a minister in Cincinnati, Ohio, introduced Sue and I to Finest Jennings Date. And that same minister took me to dinner one night with Lester Summerall, my primary mentor in the gospel. First time I, I ever ate Chinese food. You know, my, my parents were hillbillies. I, I didn't know anything about Chinese food. You know, uh, I had no idea what to order. I said, go well, give me what they're eating. You know, and then I asked for a fork. <laughs> then in 1983, on the same day I met Kenneth Hagan and Kenneth Hagan Jr. and T.L. Osborne. Met all three in one day. Then later I met... Oral Roberts, then later I met John Osteen. John Osteen was a tremendous friend, and that family is still a tremendous blessing, spiritual blessing to us. Then I met, actually I met uh, Fred Price before John Osteen. One day, uh, one day in the mid-80s, I was, Sue and I were in a meeting and somebody asked Oral Roberts, what is the greatest key to success in life? And Oral Roberts answered facetiously, but it's really true. And this is what people don't understand when they talk about privilege. Oral Roberts answered and he said, the greatest key to success in life is choosing your parents well. Amen. Of course, he was being facetious. But wait a minute. Was he? Because if you came out of a mess like I came out of, I was raised in a home with two absolute complete narcissists. And not one day of my life was ever about me, it was about them. I mean, really, I should, I should be in prison. I should be divorced. I should be messed up. I should be broke. But that minister in 1975 introduced Sue and me to Finest Jennings Dake. Don't you see it? You can choose your parents. Don't you see what I'm saying? You can choose your parents. And that gives you a whole new background. That gives you a whole new lineage. These are connections. 
before he went to be with the Lord, I think T.L. Osborne knew he was, his time was about done, and he wanted to go back one last time and speak in the largest church in America. But they wouldn't answer his call. They wouldn't talk to him because John was gone. So he reached out to birthday boy there. I'm talking about T.L. Osborne reached out to Austin Lingerfelt, and Austin Lingerfelt reached out to Lisa Combs. And Lisa Combs grabbed Joel by the scruff of the neck or whatever she did, and before he went to be with the Lord, T.L. Osborne got to preach in the largest church in America Hallelujah. one last time. Hallelujah. See, this is family. Now, you, 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 your family story could very well be worse than mine. A man stood right here and told me yesterday a, a worse story than mine because I don't know where his mother was, but his father murdered a man, and when his father got out of prison, they deported him, and then he was adopted. So you could be here this morning and have a worse family story than me. But I'm here to tell you, in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ, you get a reset. Amen. You have the opportunity for a reset. And all the CRAP that maybe you came up through when you were a child, you have been given by God an awesome opportunity and privilege of setting that aside and choosing your parents. Now, you might have had wonderful parents. Well, you can add to it. Amen. You know, I just, wanted, I just wanted to hear the word. I didn't care what color somebody was. I remember going to hear Yonggi Cho and, and listening to Yonggi Cho and visiting the largest church in the world in Seoul, Korea. I didn't care what, I didn't care what race he was. I, 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 I just wanted to hear the word coming out of somebody's mouth. And you need to understand this because people out here are trying to pit one group against another. There's a lot of pressure, you know, about going to that white guy's church. I am in the family of God. And I reject any thought that would diminish us being brothers and sisters in the body of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. That's all hater talk. Amen. To keep people down and to keep people dependent. Everything I'm doing is to make you independent. So you can be a success in life, so you can go where you want and eat where you want and travel where you want and drive what you want and live where you want and fly the way you want and do what you want. Amen. As long as it's all within the confines of a godly lifestyle. Amen. 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 But God will arrest you. You're going on down life's road. You're doing your own thing. 
Jacob was mean. He stole his brother's inheritance. He stole his brother's birthright. And he wasn't on the run because of some misunderstanding. He was on the run because his brother was justifiably hacked off. Out there in the middle of nowhere, though, he partnered together with God. His grandfather wasn't there to talk him into it. His father wasn't there to talk him into it. Out there in the middle of nowhere, Jacob made up his own mind to partner his life together with God. You don't have to keep living at the level of your family. God met this runaway. God met this sinner on the run. And God wants to meet you wherever you are. And you cannot outrun God. God will catch you every time. And what's God going to do with you when he catches you? He's going to bless you. I said, what's God going to do with you when he catches you? He's going to love you, and he's going to forgive you, and he's going to bless you because that is who he is. Hebrews 6.14 saying, surely blessing I will bless thee, and multiplying I will multiply thee. That's who God is. He has been so misrepresented, I feel sorry for him. He is wonderful, he is beautiful, he is gracious, he is loving, he is kind, he is wonderful in every way. That's the way God is. God is a lover, and God is a giver, and God is not a taker. In Deuteronomy 28, Moses said, all these blessings shall overtake you. So Jacob out there in that barren land out in the middle of nowhere on the run from his brother Esau after cheating him out of his inheritance vows a vow to God to give God one-tenth of everything that crosses his hands. And that is when Jacob gave his heart to the Lord. Listen to what I'm saying. That is when Jacob gave his heart to the Lord like Lester Summerall taught us. You need to teach men to be right with their money because if a man's not right with his money, that man's not right. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 21, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The very moment Jacob made God his God, Jacob said, I'm going to give God 10% of everything the Lord gives me. And that would be a good thing probably for every brand new child of God to do, to tell God they're going to be a doer of the word of God and not a word rejecter, and they're going to give God one-tenth of everything that crosses their hands. But how can they do that if no one teaches them? The tithe is the Lord. In fact, the Bible says the tithe is the Lord. It is holy unto the Lord. Leviticus 27, 30, a tithe of everything from the land, whether grain from the soil or fruit from the trees, belongs to the Lord. It is holy to the Lord. In fact, everything you have belongs to the Lord, so you're not an owner, you're a steward. I read just the other day, just the other day I read in the Bible that when a child comes into this world, he comes in naked, and when the, ch when the old man goes out of this world, he goes out naked. You brought nothing into this world, and you can take nothing out of this world with you. The only thing Jesus taught that we can do is we can send up treasure to heaven ahead of us. I heard this story many years ago about this woman, and she was married to a self-made wealthy man, but man, he was a cheapskate, man. I mean, he wouldn't part with a nickel. He was so tight when he walked, he squeaked. 
And he told her when he was sick and nigh unto death, he said, now look, I worked my whole life for this money, and I don't want to leave this money to anybody. I, I want to take all my money with me. Gathered his wife, his children together. He said, now, I want you to take all of my money and put it in that box with me. I want to take it with me when I go. And he died. And the children, you know, came around a little bit after he died and the, at the wake and that, and they said, uh, so mom, did you really honor dad's wishes and put all that money in the box with him? And she said, I want you to know I absolutely, most certainly honored his last wish. I wrote him a check. Amen. <laughs> nobody's taking anything to heaven. And nobody's taking anything to hell. The only thing we can do is send up treasure Jesus taught ahead of our going so that it's there waiting on us. So you're not an owner, you're a steward. John Osteen used to teach exactly what my home pastor in Detroit used to teach, the tithe belongs to God. So you actually have not given God a dime until your tithes are paid and you go a dollar past the tithe. So Jacob made a decision to give God 10% of everything that crossed his hands, and he made this decision when he was yet poor. He literally didn't have anything but a staff. He didn't have anything but a stick. Now you hear me. I've come to the conclusion that James 1.22 is the most important verse in the New Testament. But be ye doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving your own selves. Because we got a lot of God's people and they want to they want to make Jesus Christ their Lord and Savior like an insurance policy, and then they want to get up from the altar. Actually, they don't even want to come to the altar anymore. They want to just, uh, you know, pray the prayer at their seat or whatever, and then they want to go out and live any way they doggone well please. But you don't get the fruit of the Word living by your ideas and your opinions. You get the fruit of the Word by being a doer of the Word of God. And this thing of going by our own ideas and our own theories and our own opinions, I'll tell you, it hasn't just shown up in the money, it's shown up in the children. Because the Bible teaches how we are to train our children as well as how we are to tithe our money and how we are to save our money and how we are to grow our money. Jacob made a vow to God as a runaway who had met God. He made the most important decision of his life to make God his God. And then he said, I'm going to honor God with my money. Proverbs 3, 9 and 10. Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new, new wine. So money's not evil. It's not, the, it's not money that's evil. It's the love of money that's evil. Look, I was horrified when I read an article about how, how this whole trans agenda is about money. Planned Parenthood is making boatloads more money now, prescribing drugs to prepubescent children so it stops puberty so they can pretend they're something that they're not. Preach. Preach. 
And I, I, thought, I thought making money by selling drugs was bad. I thought it was bad to make money selling drugs, ruining somebody's life selling drugs to them. But how much more wicked is it to ruin somebody's life so you can sell them prescription drugs and cause confusion in their hearts? When Jacob returned home and was afraid of meeting Esau, whom he had wronged, and so he prayed in Genesis 32, 9, Jacob prayed, O God of my father Abraham, God of my father Isaac, O Lord, who said to me, go back to your country and your relatives, and I will make you prosper. I am unworthy of all the kindness and faithfulness you have shown your servant. I had only my staff when I crossed this Jordan, but now I have become two groups. Now look at what God said. God said, I will make you prosper. I hear ministers today and I wonder, who the heck are you talking about? That God wants us broke, God wants us sick, God wants us poor. I, I wonder, who are you talking about? Because I don't even know such a God. The God I met up with all those years ago is the same God that Jacob met up with and God says, I will prosper you. And Jacob said, I had nothing but a stick when I met him at Bethel. He was so rich, he had so many cattle and goats and donkeys and camels, they could not move in one group because if they moved in one group, they would decimate the land. He had become a very rich man, and God said, get up and go back to Bethel, the house of God, where he had met God and made a vow to give God 10% of everything that crossed his hands. And what did God command in verse 9? Go back home and I'll make you poor. You wonder why churches across the land are not full? Because nobody wants to learn how to be cursed and poor and broke and sick. And that's what they've been selling. I'm telling you, when you come to Almighty God, God will arrest you. God will bless you. God will heal you. God will deliver you. God will set you free. And God will prosper you. It's a heartbreak. Oral Roberts used to say that he got more hate mail from full gospel ministers about his television broadcast on one thing than any other, and they would write to him and say, please stop saying this. And what was it that was so offensive? Because every broadcast, he would say, God is good, and something good is going to happen to you. Amen. And they didn't like that. Because, of course, in their little peanut brain thinking, they didn't understand why they didn't like it, but the reason they didn't like it was Oral Roberts was lifting up a higher expectation on TV than what those preachers were lifting up on Sunday. That's another daddy. And I'm here to tell you, God is good. And something good is about to happen to you. When God gets a hold of your life, 
You don't get sick when God gets a hold of your life. You don't get poor when God gets a hold of your life. You don't get addicted. When God gets a hold of your life, you get set free. When God gets a hold of your life, you get healed. When God gets a hold of your life, you get blessed. When God gets a hold of your life, you begin to prosper. You begin to pull ahead. I don't care what your background is. I don't care what kind of family mess you came out of. I don't care if you are a product of the gutter. When you meet up with God, God begins to bless your life. I've pastored them all. I've pastored murderers. I've pastored strippers. I've pastored prostitutes. I've pastored drug addicts. I have pastored alcoholics. I have pastored them all. And I'm here to tell you that without an exception, when God gets a hold of a man's heart, when God gets a hold of a woman's heart, it is not the curse that comes upon them, but it is the blessing of Almighty God that comes upon them when a man or a woman connects to God, when a man or a woman gives their life to the Lord, and the windows of heaven open up and something good begins to happen to them. Hallelujah. Without exception. I said without exception. See, and part of the way the devil holds you where you are is when you allow him to remind you of where you're from. And what did God say in verse 9? Go home and I'll make you poor. No, a thousand times no. God said, go back to your country and I will make you prosper. He's the God that speaks to the valley of dry bones. You might not have produced a thing in your life, but you let God get a hold of you, and you will become a producer. The thing that bothers me the most about Fred Price It really just bothers me. But there's nothing I can do about it. I listened to those messages back from Crenshaw Boulevard before he built the dome. And, you know, Sue and I, we got married, and we were over here at the Baptist Seminary. And, you know, my mom, when we moved to Cincinnati, picked this little Assembly of God church. God bless them. Great pastors, you know. And, and, and we went there, and then we went when we were in college at Miami University. We went to the biggest Assembly of God church in Ohio. Great man, great man, great man, positive word. It was all great. Then we went to the Bible school he had went to. We get married. We moved down here. We started going to one of those churches. And then uh, he recommended we, we go over to his brother-in-law's church because he had just come into town, and maybe he was hiring. We went over there. My God, they didn't know anything. They didn't know a thing. They didn't know anything about healing. When somebody got healed, it was just pure dumb luck. No testimonies. And you know, there we are. I mean, you know, 
just, you know, making $1,000 a month and, and barely scraping by. And I go back and, and I listen to those price messages from Crenshaw Boulevard, and sometimes he'll say something that will allow me to identify the date, and, and I'll, I'll go find Sue in the house, and I'll say, my God, my God, my God, we were driving those old used cars. I, I was buying, I, I, I was wearing a suit from J.C. Penney's. My God, my God, my God. I mean, we were, I was wearing those shoes. I'm so ashamed I ever bought a pair of shoes like that while the man of God was teaching the Word. See, you can be over here amongst a, a bunch of uh, uh, ignorant clucks and not know a thing while the Word of God is being taught somewhere, somewhere in the world, somewhere in the world, the, somebody knows something, somewhere in the world, somebody knows God, somewhere in the world, somebody has got the Word of faith coming out of their mouth, somewhere in the world, you can make a connection and you can begin to speak the word of God and God will heal your body and God will set you free and God will begin to prosper you. He said, you go back home and I'll prosper you. He didn't say I'll make you poor. He said, he didn't say I'll make you sick. Who the hell wants that? You don't even realize what a miracle environment you are in. Amen. We didn't bury anybody last year. Amen. Amen. Yeah, but did anybody get sick? Well, I got news for you. People get sick every year, but we didn't bury anybody. Amen. We ain't buried anybody this year. And his hand of blessing and protection has been so strong on us. I haven't, even, I haven't even had a cold. I haven't had a sore throat. haven't had anything in, I don't know, 15 months. Hallelujah. Because when you get this word of God in your heart, and you get this word of God in your mouth, God shows up to meet you where you can believe God. Sue and I got married, and all we had was a $600 Firebird and $400 her grandpa had given us. I had nothing but a stick. People come along today, and they, they want to judge. Well, who does he think he is to dress the way he dresses and to wear what he wears and dress? his wife the way he dresses his wife and live where he lives and drive what he drives well I'll tell you exactly who I was I was a sinner I was lost I was undone I was raised in a home with two people that were complete dysfunctional human beings but my mom needed a healing in her body and she took me to a full gospel church and I heard the word in Sunday school and I gave my heart to Jesus and I began tithing at the age of five and I got my first job at the age of ten and I've been hearing the word and I've been doing the word and I've been giving God a tenth and I've been giving God two tenths and I'm here to testify that God is a good God and if you'll be a believer and not a doubter 
And if you let the word of faith come out of your mouth and you begin to take action on the word of God, God will show up. God will show up. God will show up. God will show up. All I had was a stick. time I'd preach. Thank you for listening to this life-changing message. To partner with us and to help us reach more people with the good news of the gospel, visit our website at faithchristiancenter.com. Your financial support is enabling us to reach more people than ever before. If you have never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, pray this simple prayer. Lord Jesus, I repent of my sins. Come into my heart. I make you my Lord and Savior. If you prayed that simple prayer, you are born again and today is a new beginning. We would like to send you a copy of Dr. Jean Lingerfeld's book, God's Very Own Child. To receive your free copy, call the church office at 817-561-3400 or send an email to info at faithchristiancenter.com. Remember to put God first in every area of your life because he loves you and has a wonderful plan for you. And don't forget, we walk by faith, not by sight.